This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Smart Food Popcorn. Some decisions aren't the best, like skipping ahead in your favorite podcast. Think of all the banter you'll miss, the lore in the making. Luckily, Smart Food Popcorn is a no-brainer. Deliciously tasty and available in a variety of fun flavors. It's a smart decision every time. Smart Food. Add smart. To learn more, visit smartfood.com. This episode is brought to you by the Inspire Collection by Kalia. Just because you're working out doesn't mean you shouldn't look fabulous. The Inspire Collection by Kalia was designed with both style and performance in mind. It looks good, feels good, and stays put no matter how you move. And the collection has everything you need for a day at the gym. A support bra, crop tanks, bike shorts, amazing leggings, and more. It's their most versatile collection yet. Shop the Inspire Collection by Kalia now, exclusively at Dick's Sporting Goods. Hello and welcome to the Radio Times podcast with me, Jane Garvey, and TV critic Rihanna Dillon is here. How are you? Hi, good, thanks. How are you? Not too bad, thank you. Now, we have got some, well, we've got some talking points this week, haven't we, about the shows we're discussing? Yes. Because there's a lot to say. There's a lot to say about the likes of... Tiger King 2. And Finch. And Finch. And Tick, Tick, Boom, which is the new film from Lin-Manuel Miranda. Yeah. Can you just burst into song? Um, Absolutely not. No, please don't. We'll also be discussing an important new documentary by Zara McDermott. It's called Uncovering Rape Culture. And the Radio Times spoke to her earlier in the week. There's porn and then there's real life is what I'm trying to say. And those, those sexual expectations are very much worlds apart. But young men and women are taking their sexual, I guess, a checkbox for what they believe sex to be. They're taking that away from their experiences with porn. They are falling victims to this sophisticated algorithm which is designed to keep you on that website for as long as it possibly can. That is Zara McDermott, ex-Love Island. What else has Zara done, actually? She was also... She was in Maiden Chelsea, That's and right. you see Sam Thompson from Maiden Chelsea, her boyfriend, in her documentary as well. Yeah, if you if you didn't know much about Zara, or you think you know about her, I think you'll be surprised by this documentary. I, I certainly was, and I, I think it's quite a good reminder of for people like me not to be snobby as no. well. Well, and people like me too. And we also have a sneak peek of some of the big, big shows coming your way over what we are supposed to call the festive season, although <laughs> some of us find the whole thing a little stressful. Um, this is part of a Radio Times feature called 25 Treats for Christmas. Now, um, have you had a good week? Bad week? Average? 
Oh, it's been fine, Jane. Did I say that out loud? Book tour uh, found its way to Chester this week. Excellent. Um, sellout crowd again at the a lovely theatre. Have you been to Chester no, lately? No, I've never been there. Never been there? No. Well, you haven't seen the Roman Wall. And it has much else to offer, including a very, very confusing one-way system <laughs> about which the locals like to talk really quite a lot. Also had a great cabbie who warned me off Chester Zoo, um, not for any animal rights reasons, and we are discussing zoos in yeah, a little be. while, mm-hmm. uh, but he said the price of a burger and chips was just ridiculous. I mean, when they've got you, they've got you and they know that. That's what, what I resent. What if you must go, he said, take your own lunch. <laughs> uh, also this week, I have interviewed the Strictly pairing that everyone's talking about. Well, actually, Rose and Giovanni are a pairing everyone's talking about, but the other one is John and Johannes, mm. and I talked to them this week, and they're going to be in the Radio Times and on this podcast in a couple of weeks' time. It was really lovely to see them. You've been championing them for a really long time, so it's nice to know that well, you actually got a chance to speak to them. They were lovely in real life oh, as good. well. Let's get stuck in then. And we're going to start with Finch. It's on Apple TV+. Plus. It's available now. It stars Tom Hanks and Caleb Landry-Jones. It's post-apocalyptic and I have to tell you, there aren't many laughs, but I found this very touching. Here's a clip. I have four primary directives. What is the first directive? First directive. A robot cannot harm a human or through an action allow a human to be harmed. Oh, okay, calm down. Calm down, dude. Listen to this. It'll make you feel better. What about the fourth directive? Fourth directive. In Finch's absence, robots must protect the welfare of dog. This directive supersedes all other directives. You hear that? I hope you've got the idea of that. Um, the world is more or less over. Tom Hanks is still alive. He's got a cute dog and a really irritating robot. <laughs> and he is really... He's a know-it-all robot, isn't he? He just likes facts. Yeah, but it's like being stuck for all eternity with the boar at a party, isn't it? This <laughs> thing. And I'm, I'm giving him the gender male, which, of course, is very wrong of me. We've well, no idea. no, no, that's not wrong of you. He's definitely gendered as male. Oh, give him okay. a name. Um, he's Jeff. OK, fair yeah. enough. So fair don't, don't be too hard on yourself. I won't be. For once, I won't be too hard on myself. <laughs> it's a very male film. I, don't, I think we don't really hear any woman speak. They have, they think there's one flashback in the film um, where we see... A woman, but we again don't don't hear. See, I feel bad now that you've pointed that out to me. That I thought this was genuinely moving, and I hadn't really noticed the absence of female characters. What does that say about me? That's okay. There are only there's only one human in it in to it begin anyway. with. Yeah, so okay. you know, and also it's Tom Hanks. I think we're allowed to sort of be okay with the fact that Tom Hanks is. Is Tom alive Hanks. and well. Yes, and he's the last Actually, man standing. Actually, not well. He's, he's not, not well. He's That's not the well. point. No. The, it, the whole planet is dying. It's got radiation poisoning. There are holes in the ozone layer. Every, he can't step out into the sun because he will fry, and that goes for the dog as well. And that's why he's built this robot. To, and it's again, it's not for him. It's for the longevity of this dog's life. I, I wonder now people will be thinking, why would I want to watch this? But yes, Jane. No, well, <laughs> your thing, choice this week, I believe. Is Tom Hanks being Tom Hanks always <laughs> enough? Because I sort of, having having watched this and enjoyed it, I sort of think the answer to that question 
is yes, but I'm not sure you agree. No, I think he's an incredibly charismatic actor. And he. The, I think the point is with Tom Hanks, and I was, I was comparing him to, you know, I was thinking about other films which have a similar backdrop, like I Am Legend, for example, with Will Smith. Both Will Smith and Tom Hanks are able to do comedy so well and also that real dark, bleak side, that pathos. They make us cry with their performances, always. Uh, I mean, Tom Hanks has done it himself in Castaway and he's kind of he do, he's doing a very similar thing here but we we rely on that that's why they're these movie stars that we love to go and see because they can hold a film purely on their shoulders are there actually thinking about that are there any women who come into that category I'm oh not... I'm sure there are but whether they're given the opportunity to do it yeah okay. these men are often given the opportunity to do it okay so what we're looking for now is the screenplay about a lone female character fighting for survival when everybody else is gone. Didn't Meryl Streep once canoe down a stream? Was that River Wild? Sandra Bullock had Bird Box. Oh, yeah, and also, yes, Bird Box and, of course, uh, Gravity. And Gravity. Yeah, OK, so we're... Although, argue- although it did have to have a little bit of George Clooney in, which yeah. no one was complaining about. No, nobody was, but he drifted off. That was one of my favourite bits in that <laughs> film, where he just sacrificed himself. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what sort of mood do you have to be in to get the most out of Finch? It is supposed to be sort of uplifting and hopeful in a way. It's not overly. What kind of mood was I in when I watched it? Reflective. And actually it worked. It did work. I was just hoping for a little bit more action, I suppose. There, there is maybe one set piece where the tension builds really well yeah. in the middle of the film. Um, and I could have done with a little bit more of that. Because for a lot of it, it is just Tom Hanks shouting at his robot well, for not being a good enough robot. Yes, and it is like that. That's a bit difficult because, of course, you project this robot is like a child. It's only just been born. Of course, it knows everything in, a, you know, in an encyclopedia, but it doesn't have yet the emotions to deal with what Tom Hanks is dealing with. So you do, you really, they managed to make you really feel for the robot. Yeah, Tom Hanks is wrestling with his mortality. Yes. And it is, I, this is why I do honestly did find this a very moving film. Mm. There's, there's, I agree with you, there isn't perhaps enough jeopardy, not an enormous amount happens, but there's no violence. But anyway, this is not going to put people in a party mood, is it? But I actually really recommend Finch on Apple TV+. So for me, it's a solid eight and a half, bordering on a nine. Oh. Yeah, no, I really found it touching. I would say I I haven't seen anything in this film that I hadn't seen before. Tom Hanks is excellent. And actually, even Caleb Landry-Jones, who you might not know his name necessarily. He was the very evil brother in Get Out. Um, he's, He's always, he often plays quite scary, weird characters. And in this, he's just a voice. He's the voice and maybe the physicality of the robot. And as as the film progresses, we heard him being incredibly robotic in that clip there. But he becomes more and more and more human-like by the end of the film, which is, you know, it's subtly done and actually quite a lovely... Yeah, because he's learnt from Tom's character. Yeah. Uh, So that is very moving. But as I said, it wasn't groundbreaking. So maybe a six from me. Rather harsh judgment in my view. Finch is on Apple TV Plus and it does star, of course it does, the unbelievably brilliant and so watchable, for reasons I can never quite put my finger on, Tom Hanks. Now, someone else that I've always found really watchable and charismatic is... 
Andrew Garfield, who stars in the next film that we're talking about, Tick, Tick, Boom, which is available now on Netflix. And it's directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda, who we know from Hamilton. He did the lyrics for Moana. He has a new Disney film coming out called Encanto. Um, He's very, 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 very into his musicals. And this is no different. (laughs) Yes. Well, I have to say, um, this is for people who like a musical, to say the least. It is. Here's a clip. Hello. Hi. Welcome. I'm Jonathan Larson. I am 29 years old. I work at the Moondance Diner. Check. One sec. Do we take reservations? No, we do not take... We're, we're a diner. I have an original rock musical. Hey, boy genius. That I have spent the last eight years of my life writing. It's getting out. You're going to be rich and famous. And rewriting. Did you crack it yet? Oh, I'm getting so close. And rewriting. Can I hear it? I'm going to ask you a question now, Rihanna, that you're going to find quite hard to answer because the <laughs> truth is, this is all a little bit complicated. It's about Jonathan Larson. We got yes. that from that clip. He is, well, he's not, he's actually dead now, spoiler, um, but he wrote a musical wildly successful called Rent. Yes, I think he died the night before it opened, oh, which God. is incredibly tragic. So he wrote a, like a, a musical monologue called Tick, Tick, Boom, which we see Andrew Garfield as Jonathan Larson performing in this film, Tick, Tick, Boom. That's the conceit. And yeah. then there's also sort of a narrator VO kind of speaking on behalf of Jonathan, who's no longer with us. All of this just got a bit complicated. And I think this is what I mean by you have to really know your stuff when it comes to musical theatre. These were all layers that were almost maybe assumed that fans of this will know. And I just, I didn't. And there was a whole scene as well in in a diner. Um, I can't remember if it's that scene that we heard or one that I think it's one that comes later. And I was like, oh, I recognise those two actresses. They're both in Hamilton and they play sisters in Hamilton. Interesting. Oh, Lin-Manuel Miranda is actually in this scene. So he's cameoing. Okay, interesting. Oh, every single person in this scene must be a musical cameo. And it kind of, you know, that slowly trickled. If you're in, in, you're in and you'll love it, presumably. Yes, I think that would be such a massive, nerd out, wonderful scene if you're a huge fan of musicals and you know who performed them on Broadway originally, etc. But somehow I didn't feel like this was impactful enough. I think that it almost could have gone bigger. There are a lot of scenes in his flat where he's just trying to write and he comes across as really self-absorbed. Oh, he's a pain in the the rear end, I'm afraid. He really is. He is. He's a kind of, he's a very difficult person to like. Which is, which is why it's quite a good thing they've got someone so lovable as Andrew Garfield. Um, I, I do think also we saw the AIDS epidemic handled so sensitively and so beautifully in It's a Sin. And to have it set, it, to have it in this film just almost as a backdrop. I, I kept waiting for more stuff to happen related to that. Yes. Because that was real and it was important and it doesn't... And it really affected his life and his friends. Yes. I don't, he wasn't gay himself. No, he didn't seem all that bothered. I mean, people... He was wasn't gay but no he should have cared well he presumably did care about his mates yes and there's a there's a scene where you think oh this is going to be really tender and then you think oh actually was he just using that for his musical he's nearly 30 or he's about to be 30 yeah he still hasn't made it and you're thinking oh get over yourself it is a story about failure and about you know perseverance and not giving up etc and of course he then went on to achieve greatness which he didn't get to see so I suppose is it about living in the moment a lot of the time and about not just wallowing in self-despair because you can't write a song stop with your wallowing because you haven't got a musical on yet um who else is in it Vanessa Hudgens is in this who I 
could almost have done with more of. And mm. I don't say that often. No. <laughs> about Vanessa Hudgens. you're listening to the podcast, Vanessa. <laughs> then I'm not a huge fan of those, of things like High School Musical, etc. And actually, she was really excellent in this. Vanessa Hudgens then, who unexpectedly gets the thumbs up from you. Anybody else notable? <laughs> I am a huge fan of Bradley Whitfield, who we know from The West Wing, more recently in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and he plays Stephen Sondheim in this, who I think is one of my most hated <laughs> like theater, musical theatre greats. What have, got, what have you got against him? I just don't like his musicals. Fair enough. Um, but it was actually a real pleasure to see Bradley Whitfield as him All right. in this. And again, I think it's a huge tick for fans of Stephen Sondheim. And who will like this? Fans of La La Land, I suppose. Well, it's not as it's not as lovable as that, I'm afraid. No, it's not as accessible as no. La La Land was. I do think this is an incredibly niche film somehow. It is called Tick Tick Boom, and it is available right now on Netflix. And if you're a massive musical nerd, and why shouldn't you be? Then lap it up because you will love it. Well, if you want to complain about my complete lack of interest or knowledge in uh, Stephen Sondheim musicals, do. Tweet and Instagram us at Radio Times or email podcast at radiotimes.com. Earlier then, you heard that clip from ex-Love Island contestant and Made in Chelsea star Zara McDermott about her new BBC documentary, Uncovering Rape Culture. It's available on BBC One at 10.35 tonight, Wednesday, and it's on BBC Three and iPlayer as well. Now, in this clip, Zara is talking to some of her mates. I think as a woman, like, you're always just wary at night and you yeah. always want to, like, you know, be as safe as you possibly can. Anytime I'm out on my own, like, and there's, like, a, I see a group of men, they could be, like, over oh, there and yeah. I'm still going to pretend I'm on the phone yeah. or, like, yeah. I will be on the phone or, like, I look down. I just yeah. don't want to make eye contact with people. Like, it is scary. I feel like boys' behaviour, for me, started at school, for sure. Oh, 100%. Yeah, like, I have, like, really strong, like, emotions towards when I was at school because I feel like... So many young boys' behaviour just wasn't checked. And I look back, and the more I look back, I think of how messed up it was. Now, the Radio Times writer Kellyanne Taylor asked Sarah why she feels this is exactly the right moment for this show. So, obviously, Revenge Porn came out in uh, February. Uh, It was received, you know, so amazingly. And so many people were touched by the film that I guess it opened up a little bit, a few more questions actually for, for me. You know, I, I guess I was on the receiving end of a lot of like messages from women who were coming forward to me talking about actually not necessarily always their uh, revenge porn stories, but actually their stories of assault in schools. Um, so that was, you know, that opened up a lot of a lot of questions to me and showed me that revenge porn is only one issue that's going on um, and image-based sexual abuse is only is not the only thing that's going on in schools right now. It's not just digital, it's actually physical as well, um, which I knew about from my experiences in school for sure. Like it was massive when I was in school. There was a lot of, you know, there was a lot of touching from other boys um, that would go on, you know, a lot of, the, the rape culture was hugely, you know, present during my adolescence in my school. So, you know, it kind of took me back to, to that time and made me think there's more to be looked at here there's more conversations to be had around this topic um and then very shortly after we started kind of thinking about this film um there was the really sad um death of Sarah Everard and you know since then there's been several other quite high profile murders of women who have been in completely unsafe situations and you know, who have been killed by men and 
it's awful and it's horrific and we need to now look at it, it just made sense for me to marry up those two topics and us at the BBC as well to marry up those two topics and say right revenge porn is just a small uh it's a, it's a problem but it's not the total problem and also in the wake of what what's happening in society and this like almost female uprising um that's currently happening on social media and the attitudes of of women are changing they're becoming more powerful for sure and they're becoming more confident in their voices we need to marry these two very current uh problems up together and we need to make a film about it because it is just happening this is real and I would be interested to know how many really serious offences could have been avoided if the education had have been there when they were younger and they'd have been called out more when they were younger. And I think just something that you said kind of earlier, which I think would be really interesting to talk about, um, you know, in the in the context of Sarah Everard and Sabina Nasser and other, you know, high profile cases of violence against women, um, it's very much kind of, especially as as a young female, it's very much in the cultural conversation so talk to me maybe about the kind of conversations that especially young women are having so for yeah. example like fear at night walking home with keys being on the phone yeah in previous years we would as women we kind of adapt our behavior based mm. around men potentially being violent towards us so text me when you get home you know get home safe uh don't walk alone at night, things like that. Like we as women have had to adapt our behaviour because there is a potential threat that a man could hurt us um, and men don't have to have that same fear. And it doesn't really seem fair. Um, but there is there is now, and there's anger now, I think, in society from women because women are just sat there thinking, why should I have to make sure I text my friend when I get home? Why can't I just be safe? Why can't, why is there not a guarantee that I will just be safe? There is a lot of anger from women, I think, but there's also fear. There is. And I think that I needed to make sure that this doc really captured every emotion that women are feeling. You know, women are feeling scared to report what's happened to them. They're feeling isolated. They don't feel safe in reporting. They don't feel safe walking down the street and if they get attacked they then don't feel safe reporting it like it's so messed up let's talk about kind of the failings of the education system so in the documentary you speak about kind of the impact of porn and the impact that's having on like a lot of young people their entire sexual education is from porn which even in the kind of like shots that you get of just like scrolling through in the documentary it's so graphic you know porn is a, is a really big part of young people navigating sex understanding sex and understanding what it what it is and what it entails and I don't necessarily think that porn is bad all the time but when you're talking in the circumstance of young uneducated people watching porn and taking away from porn that that's what they believe sex to be and watching sometimes violent graphic videos of women being sometimes hurt and put into positions that they you know a woman who you you maybe met at the local pub would not want to to be put in that position you know like it there's 
there's porn and then there's real life is what I'm trying to say. And those those sexual expectations are very much worlds apart. But young men and women are taking their sexual, I guess, a checkbox for what they believe sex to be. They're taking that away from their experiences with porn. They are falling victims to this sophisticated algorithm, which is designed to keep you on that website for as long as it possibly can. And in order to do that, they show the most violent graphic pornography as a suggested video for the next video to watch. And, you know, you can see how a young boy can end up getting themselves into a graphic hole of violent, hardcore pornography that could be so incredibly damaging to their perception of what sex is. And I guess as well, in school, I guess we have kind of sex education, you know, it's stuff like how not to get pregnant or... How to put a condom on a banana. Yeah, perhaps sex education just isn't isn't actually explaining what sex is. It's just going for the biology rather than the kind of social side of it. Yeah, for sure. And that's that's actually something that we talked about in the you know, in the film as well a little bit, is about how they show schools will show the biology of sex, but not that that physical intimacy and that the idea of having a meaningful relationship and what that means and what casual sex is and what that means and what consent is as well. There's not a very good amount of education on consent. There's a video that likens consent to having a cup of tea and giving someone a cup of tea. It's honestly pathetic in a way. Um, How could you ever liken someone saying yes or no to, to having a sexual relationship with someone else to having a cup of tea so do you think we're allowing toxic male behavior in some senses to go unchecked and then they think that this is actually a, a, an acceptable way to behave yeah 100 percent. i think that you know that's what a gateway offense is it's a smaller offense that someone can do and will get away with and will go unchecked and then it leads them to the next offense and then the next offense and then the next offense um if we don't put a stop to that behaviour as soon as we possibly can, then what kind of creatures are we breeding? Who? What kind of men are we breeding? There's no grey area when it comes to sexual assault, when it comes to sexual abuse and misogyny. There is no grey area. It's a simple no, don't do that. That is Zara McDermott talking to Kellyanne Taylor of the Radio Times. Do you think Zara was the right presenter for this this programme? I have my reservations, I'll be completely honest. I, I do think we, we have a trend, don't we, of putting celebrities at the, at the forefront of quite important documentaries. But actually, I thought she was... She, again, I'm going to use the word accessible because this isn't a programme really that feels like it was made for even my generation or even yours. I think this... It, it's, no, so, it's, it's I guess it's for teens. It's clearly targeted at teens because yeah. that's who they're talking to in the programme. And so for Z- someone like Zara, who presumably is so much more in their kind of um, sphere and knows... I think she talks about having left school only seven years ago I mean in her mind I think she was saying that was a long time ago <laughs> it's really not <laughs> and I was and I was like okay actually yeah she's somebody who has achieved um fame she's also experienced this which she talks about her own trauma at the beginning of the show and why wouldn't she actually be the perfect spokesperson for something like this so 
I reservations okay. disappeared. Um, I, I think it, as well. I was really glad that that porn was was front and center of of this program mm-hmm. because sometimes you know I've myself. I mean, I've conducted interviews and done items on national radio about sexual violence, and there's never been enough emphasis on porn, yeah. which uh, for young people now is part of their life. Sometimes from the age of ten, and if you're my generation, you really need to get your head around that and begin to consider the actual real life. Life implications of all this and the fact that they they in the program we you know we don't want to say too much we don't want to give away exactly what happens no. towards the end of the program but they try and find creators of porn websites and ultimately their response was it's not up to us to safeguard children that's the parents responsibility yeah. and it's you know it was just that complete lack of interest in trying to do the right thing um which is just so frightening because also why would they they they're billionaires they've got so little as long as they're getting your money and your attention they do not care um so that they are expert manipulators yeah i mean they really are i think zara earlier on mentioned the algorithms which are just Mm -hmm. designed to keep quite vulnerable young people on these sites for as long as possible and if you don't know much about what young kids are seeing or being allowed to see or being made to see Mm -hmm. then actually this program will tell you just the titles of some of the clips it doesn't show anything explicit but it does definitely give you an idea an idea i I really wanted to ask you about there's a there's a scene where zara um, brings in almost another like a male Educator, yeah, and he talks to the and lads. he talks to the boys from a school. And after he's spoken to them, the boys are sort of saying, "Oh, well, you know, we didn't really realise because, you know, we don't always." Basically, they were saying they didn't believe the girls. But I until was, the man said it. I'm really glad you mentioned it because that was exactly the clip I wanted to talk mm, about. That okay. made me feel, if I'm honest, a bit desperate yeah. and incre- also incredibly angry. Yeah. Because male violence, male sexual violence is a a massive issue. And I have to say, these young boys, they were articulate, they were intelligent, but their arrogance was Mm -hmm. absolutely off the scale, in some cases, not all of them. And these were the the boys who were happy to speak out. Absolutely. So God knows what the the boys who refused to, because they perhaps know what they're doing is more wrong. These boys didn't even realise that all of these microaggressions can lead to something much bigger. Mm. And it took another man Man, telling them. That really upset me. And I thought, oh God, I don't think I'm naive when it comes to things like sexual abuse or sexual harassment because... I'm not even just going to talk about the Me Too movement. We all knew before... I mean, the Me Too movement only opened it up to men, I think. It was so... You know, we all knew what we were experiencing and have always experienced. So the fact... uh, that, That really... Yeah, it got me angry. Yeah, it made me very angry too, which, I mean, I have to say, um, I, if I'm honest, I didn't really know who Zara McDermott was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that this was powerful and in in the right audi- for the right audience, I think would make some pretty important points. Yes. So I, hope, I just hope people watch it. And if you have teenagers, maybe you don't. Well, actually, I would also argue that you probably should have a quick look at this it. This is not a programme that I would have sought out. And it's not a programme that if I'd just seen on TV, I would have been like, oh, yeah, I'll watch this. Mm. It's a difficult subject. It's not something we yeah. want to tackle. But actually, because it's so universal, we all need to be aware of the next... We kind of... We pin so much on the next generation. They're the they're new hope. They are... You know, we put so much pressure on them. And then we forget, actually, all of that 
that kind of the, the the pornography that they're dealing with, the fact that just just really casually, well, when I ask a girl to send nudes, like how often? Who are you asking? Why are you asking that of random girls? It, that I, oh, it was really horrible. I know it, it is. I have to say, it's it's eye opening. This is a really important, really well done documentary. Yeah, I hope so much I, to think about. I agree, and I hope there are more documentaries about this subject made. Probably as quickly as possible, mm-hmm. quite honestly. So that is, it's Zara McDermott and it's Uncovering Rape Culture, BBC One, 10.35 tonight, that's Wednesday, then on BBC Three and iPlayer. We are still to talk about the very highly anticipated release of Tiger King 2, which is just out on Netflix. First, though, we do have to just give you an early warning that Christmas is not as far away as some of us might like. (laughs) On the plus side, I'm enjoying the prep Christmas menu, as I do every single year. Wait, Um, this is the turkey and cranberry? The full roast in a butty. And then there's the the sausage bap. So, you know, it's these small things that keep me reasonably well-functioning. I'm, I'm a cheese football girl myself. As no. soon as I see those in the supermarket, I know. You've got, you've it's got festive that time. Festive time. Yeah. You've got your stocking out. <laughs> Lovely. OK, this is really the most important thing about Christmas, as we all know, is telly. What have we got to look forward to? There's always some smashing things on, aren't there? I mean, there's absolutely loads this year, and I think a really nice something for everyone, because whenever I see Horrible Histories cracking yes. Christmas, I'm there. I in, love the Horrible Histories gang. And also, now the old Horrible Histories gang have gone on to do Ghosts. That's also got a Christmas special. That is one of the most inventive and brilliant <laughs> shows. And I've got to say, I actually... It feels like embarrassed. I'm not that keen on it, but I can see it's wonderful. Yeah, I, I think totally get it, it that. took me. I think after the first watch of the, the first few episodes, I thought, oh, was this a little bit naff and a bit cheap? And then I carried on with it and then went back and I was like, oh, no, I was completely wrong. There are so many subtleties in there. It's very, very witty. And the Christmas special has got Jennifer Saunders in, who I absolutely adore. Well, that's it then. <laughs> what else would you want to draw our attention to? Well, we've got the amazing Mr. Blunden, which is a Mark Gatiss creation. Um, um, a, a new retelling of the film that you saw as a child. As a small child, <laughs> my great aunt Rita took me to see oh, the amazing how Mr. Lovely. Yeah, she was a little old. She was a retired school teacher, quite strict, but did treat us every now and again. I, she took me to see that, and I thought it was genuinely spooky and brilliant. So this is going to be interesting. Yes, and it stars Simon Callow, who is always excellent. I think he does a very good ghost story. He really understands the craft of telling a good ghost story. As does Mark Gatiss. It's like his favourite genre of all time. Um, also, because I am a child, an abominable snow baby is out this Christmas. That's the Channel 4 big animation for this Christmas. It's a short story by Terry Pratchett made into an animation. Um, yeah, this is going to be something that I think a lot of people will absolutely enjoy. Probably one to kind of, you know, put it, stick it on your thingy, what you call it. Excuse me? You know, record it. <laughs> right. And um, <laughs> just spend a bit of time over it. Don't watch it in a hubbub with everybody arguing. Oh, yeah, so this is what happens on Christmas Day and I normally have to do this with Doctor Who where I remove myself from the family so I can yes. go upstairs in my parents' bedroom at home and turn on the, the upstairs TV and watch it in peace. So maybe I'll do that with this. We all, one of the great unspoken truths about Christmas is that we all like to get away from the family <laughs> that we bang on about wanting to be with at Christmas. <laughs> 
<laughs> and that's a good way of doing it. Um, yes, the abominable snow baby also has the voice, the voice of Julie Waters playing the granny um, in this very cute, moving animation about a stranger coming to town. So it's a positive Christmas message. You'll pick up on that. And I've talked to Julie and we are going to hear a little bit of her in the Radio Times podcast so over the jealous. coming weeks. Oh, no, so she, now she, the word legend is overused, but she is one. By the way, these Christmas treats are available in today's edition of the Radio Times, which has no less a thespian than David Tennant on the cover. <laughs> there you go. Even he might be Love popping onto the podcast as well, actually. In a couple oh, of weeks. fingers crossed. I know, we've got plans. We hope so. Let us know what you're going to be watching this Christmas, what you're circling in your festive edition of the Radio Times at Radio Times on Twitter and Instagram or email us podcast at radiotimes.com. OK, Tiger King 2 on Netflix. It's available now. There is no escape. Um, just, well, let's have a clip. Let's go there first. Here we go. You have a prepaid call from... Jelly Exotic. There's an innocent man in prison. Everybody's from the zoo. It's very hard, very hard to sum up Tiger King if yes. you haven't seen the first series. But it's about a man who called himself Joe Exotic. Mm -hmm. And he is involved in something, it's a very, to be honest, a rather tawdry side. Murky, I think. Of it's American in, life. It really is, because it's about a man who really exploited wild animals and kind of created his own sort of zoo environment and really abused these animals, actually, which is partly why he's in jail. But he's also in prison because he, for years, wanted to get a rival of his killed and ended up hiring someone to kill Carol Baskin and failed but was found out and that's why he's behind bars because of the first series this was all uncovered during the series and it's we've got to remember we were a captive audience during series one Maybe. this was first lockdown almost we were you know sitting ducks essentially there was nothing else to watch we put all of our energies into the Tiger King uh, we were as captive as some of those brilliant big cats who did not belong in backyards in parts of this is so horrible it really is and it was really uncomfortable to be honest to watch the first time around but giving this man airtime now have uh, now that he has actually been found guilty of all of these crimes i think is really quite gross and mm. disgusting. Well, interestingly, he doesn't actually, because of the very nature of his current situation, he doesn't actually get that much airtime. And this series focuses largely on Carol Baskin, who is, I mean, she's been the victim of... It's misogyny, essentially. Oh, ultimate. Because she is a, an easy figure to ridicule, I think everyone was quite happy to jump on that bandwagon. But of course, as you say, you drill down to it and it is just woman-hating. Yeah, it really is. There are some vile, vile people in this. I would say if you found it a struggle to like anybody in succession, you really... <laughs> going to have a hard time finding someone to pin your hopes on here. And those are fictional characters you'd hope on the yeah. whole well, with yes. succession. Yeah, these people are real. You're these right. These people are real. Terrifying. I think they're really trying to recreate the success of series one, not realising that I think that appetite has gone. That car crash couldn't tear your eyes away, wanting to talk to everybody about it in the moment, having a real sort of like Twitter kind of conversation with everybody else. I just don't think that exists anymore because we've all kind of gone back to our own lives. Mm. I think they knew there was an appetite for something about the Tiger King, so they've cobbled together 
yes. this short series of programmes loosely connected <laughs> to the man formerly known as, what was it, the Trailer Park Liberace? Which is an, uh, you know, it's an excellent title. It's notable for a couple of things, though, this. Mm-hmm. Um, the location, Sausage Castle. What, Sausage Castle? It's just a place in Tiger King, okay. Sausage Castle. And names, I was going to say characters, but actually they're not characters because they're real. Um, we've got Dylan Passage, who is actually still married at the time of talking to Joe Exotic. Yes, although hasn't spoken to him or seen him since he got arrested. No, but love, you know, the course of true love and all that. And is filming all of these videos surrounded by bikini-clad women. I sort of think that perhaps... What are you suggesting? I think perhaps his loyalties lie elsewhere. Are you? I can't believe you're thinking that perhaps things are not as they should be in the marriage between the incarcerated Joe Exotic and Mr Dylan Passage. Also, it's that fabulous streak of American life. And look, I'm sounding terribly British and haughty here. But I love I, it. I cannot take seriously anyone who wears a cowboy hat. Apparently, unironically, but just thinks, I'll stick one on. I'm going out for a loaf. I'll put a cowboy hat on. (laughs) This really is all about the scourge of humanity. I mean, there is a scene where they are campaigning for Joe Exotic to be released from prison. They're campaigning for a presidential pardon from Donald Trump. That ship sailed, thank goodness. But they they get abuse from fellow Republicans. Well, they go to Washington on January the 6th. Yes. They go and and there's a there's a woman who starts shouting at them because she says how awful he is for his abuse of animals. Yeah. And I just think it's so incredibly rich when I think she was protesting immigration. And protest, yes, you know, but she felt very strongly. She felt very strongly about animals, but not about other people. Yeah. I, that sort of hypocrisy drives me absolutely wild with rage. Do you think people will bother with this series once they know that actually the trailer park Liberace can't feature. Normally, this would kind of be, be people would be talking about it weeks in advance, and I just haven't really felt that buzz. Have you? No, I mean I, I don't feel a lot of buzz in my life, <laughs> but um, I've felt almost none about this. And I, I can will give n- you something for that. <laughs> I will not be pursuing this. I've watched actually slightly inspired of myself. I've watched three episodes. Oh, you might as well finish it. <laughs> you are right there. That's really worrying. <laughs> Tiger King Two is available now on Netflix. I would say if you want something in a similar vein that doesn't feel quite so horrendous <laughs> on your brain or your eyes, whatever, there is a really there is a good documentary called Don't F With Cats on Netflix, which is, again, it's about animal lovers more than people lovers. But these are the sort of keyboard warriors that feature a little bit in Tiger King, but they're using their um, sort of skills, their detective skills, to hunt down a, a man who was killing cats and filming it and torturing them and so it's it's a a horrible kind of idea but actually it's quite an amazing story to see these people really rally round and try and do the right thing um so yeah don't f with cats is a is a font is an interesting one that's a good shout thank you very much for that now oh it's the quiz of the week oh i love this i get excited this is (laughs) this is my buzz So it's the part of the show where you have to guess what year I'm talking about from the clues of what was on TV in that year. Can I just say to people, anyone who's doubting the authenticity of this, I'm, I'm never given this you bit of You always say this. Who is doubting you? I think Is people, it your sister? Well, mainly her. <laughs> think it's a setup. <laughs> it's not. It's really not. So your first clue is that in this year, the brilliantly subversive bottom premiered on BBC Two, starring Rick Mayle and Adrian Edmondson. Have we got a clip of that? Marvellous banter, Eddie. I am bereft of ribs. And now perhaps we could dally with the truth for a while. Uh, 
I was struck by lightning. Uh, and, uh, etc. Four and a half hours ago, you left to collect two fish suppers. I gave you £1.75 in good faith. Where is my bit of halibut? All right, here we go, all right. £1.75, yeah, I remember that. Was that today? <laughs> well, I blame the town planners. It's socially irresponsible to put the lamb and flag back next door to Neptune's pantry. You mean... Yes. <laughs> I have liquidised your assets. <laughs> to be honest, that wasn't one of my favourites, that show. Was it not? No, it was, I think it appeals to sort of scruffy students and I think by then I'd moved on, but that is a clue in itself. Um, what else have you got for me? So the second clue is that Mark Goodyear presented an episode of Top of the Pops in this year, yeah. which featured the bands EMF, The Farm and Tin Machine. And I really hope that helps you because I've never heard of them. I am thinking the 90s, definitely, but I'm not sure whereabouts I am in the 90s. I've got a fun little clue that might help. So it was in this year that the British television premiere of Monty Python's Life of Brian took place on Channel 4 and that took place 12 years after it was released in cinemas. Did you go and see this in the cinema? I, if you've got me on the things in life that I most dislike, Python and Monty... <laughs> rearrange that phrase <laughs> would be right up there well as you're so enthusiastic here's a clip do you mind i can't hear a word he's saying don't you do you mind me i was talking to my husband well go and talk to him somewhere else i can't hear a bloody thing don't you swear my wife i was only asking her to shut up so he can hear what he's saying big nose don't you call my husband big nose well he has got a big nose could you be quiet please what was that? I don't know. It's too busy talking a big nose. I think it was blessed are the cheesemakers. Didn't even crack a smile then. No, it's not funny now. It wasn't funny then. <laughs> I think the year is 1993. Do you want a couple more clues? Because you're wrong. Oh, OK, go on. This is a sad one. Um, but Freddie Mercury, aged 45, confirmed that he has AIDS the day before he died oh. in this year. OK, yeah. Um, and also, Sue Lawley interviews John Major for ITV near the beginning of his time as Prime Minister. That should definitely help. Near the beginning of his time as Prime Minister. OK, so he... 1992. 91! Oh. oh, so close, I'm sorry! Continuing my proud record of being relatively close to the right answer. <laughs> Rihanna, thank you very much. Actually, before we go... I know that you wanted to give a, a shout out to a couple more of those Ooh, yeah, 25 are, top picks for over are. the festive season. Um, something I know I'm going to enjoy is a very British scandal. It's going to be on BBC One over Christmas. It stars the truly brilliant Claire Foy. I think you could make an argument for her being Britain's best actress. Yeah, I'm with you. I really I do. I love her. I think she's astonishing. And I also think since The Crown, she is so severely underused in things. I've only really seen her in supporting roles. Yes. And I am... I agree. I'm so excited that she's going to be, a you know, forefront of something else because yeah, she's brilliant. I mean, write something for Claire yes. Foy. I mean, I don't understand we'll it. We'll all go and watch it. Yeah, we really will. <laughs> with um, our mums. She is playing Margaret Campbell, the glamorous socialite who, it says here, whose pearls and Polaroids scandalised society in 1963. So the opposite of the Queen then. I love this. Pretty much. Now, don't look at me like that. I wasn't actually around in 1963. 64 I arrived oh, but sure. I know a little bit about this it was an absolutely massive scandal and seen through our 21st century eyes I think we'll be a little bit kinder to Margaret than people were 
back then. That's all I'm going to say. And this is not to be confused with the Hugh Grant, a very English scandal. That was about Jeremy Thorpe. Yes. And this is about... Very similarly titled scandals. Yes. Okay. I don't know why they've done that. That's a very good point. Anyway, (laughs) this is on BBC One over Christmas. I do suggest that, you know, we've marked your card there. Don't miss it. I'm also looking forward to Wurzel Gummidge. I love Wurzel Gummidge. I've never seen a single Uh, episode, old or new. Wurzel Gummidge was always brilliant. It was actually a very subversive series of books, but I think came out in the 30s or 40s. And then it was made into a very successful 70s show with John Pertwee as Wurzel and Una Stubbs played his uh, nemesis as Aunt Sally. Una. Una Stubbs, (laughs) such a good actress. And they were so brilliant together and it was just a really funny show. But this is the new Mackenzie Crook reimagining and it's very green, it's environmentally... Right on message. And Bill Bailey is in the edition of Wurzel that's going out over Christmas. Again, just make sure you've got it on your thing on the telly so you can luxuriate Get it on your thingy. Get it on your thingy. Show the rellies out and bed down with a load of milk tray. And a a scarecrow. And a scarecrow and a Baileys. (laughs) And you'll be absolutely having the time of your life. This is the great... uh, The truth about Christmas is, is when everyone's gone and you've got all the stuff loaded on the telly. The leftovers of the food and the leftovers of the telly that you weren't allowed to watch. Exactly. Because no one else liked it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's so Wurzel and a very British scandal are two absolute bankers for me. So if you want a breakdown of the listings of the programmes we've talked about today, then make sure you look at the episode notes wherever you get your podcast. Do follow and join us every week. The Radio Times podcast is produced by... Something else. And who's it done for? Immediate media. Have a good week. See you soon. We didn't even rehearse that. No, but it was good, wasn't it? We're getting better. <laughs> 